Good morning on this Ash Wednesday. My name is Matt, and along with Linda, we serve as co-pastors, and we want to welcome you in this moment as we move into the season which the church calls Lent. And Lent comes to us from an old English word, which means to lengthen and refers to the lengthening of the days as we move now towards spring. Anticipating Easter, the churches have prepared for 40 days of fasting and prayer reflection together, and we'll use ashes this morning to mark the sign of the cross, and the church calls this an imposition of ashes, and we impose those um, reminding ourselves and one another of our own mortality, and this goes all the way back to Genesis in the third chapter, For You Are Dust and to dust you shall return. The season of Lent is the time period between today, this morning, Ash Wednesday, and moves all the way to the power and mystery of resurrection at Easter. And to be clear, you won't find references to either Ash Wednesday or Lent in scripture, but there is an ancient tradition of dawning ashes that goes back prior even to the days of Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures, in Job, Job repents in dust and ash. And so both Ash Wednesday and Lent have developed and they've evolved and taken different forms over the generations. In our worship series, this Lenten season here at the table, we're going to call Climate Faith. And you'll find on our website some more information and some links both to an online devotional and then also links that are there on our website. A hope that we hold is that as we mark our bodies with ashes, as we pray and as we sing, as we hear scripture and break bread to begin this Lenten journey is that the whole of creation, not just our individual lives, but the whole of creation would be made new. And so we're going to move together into a song that emboldens us into that hope. So I invite you to stand either in body or spirit and allow this song to guide us into this moment in a spirit of prayer.
Amen. You may be seated. Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, reading from the sixth chapter. It'll be on the screen, and I invite you to follow along. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Creator in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your creator who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your creator who is in secret, and your creator who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be, may be seen not by others, but by your creator who is in secret. And your creator who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I invite us to stand in body and spirit. From the dust we came To the dust we shall return From the dust we came To the dust we shall return God everlasting to age the same we are a moment then like a breath we fade
seated and as our musicians move down I'll invite us in to continue in a spirit of prayer God may the depth of your abiding love hold us as we look together toward the descent of the way of the cross may your love hold us and guide us along the way May your spirit go before us and stir within our bodies and souls this morning that we might be alivened to ways that we could practice our faith that truly reflect your hope for the world. We offer this moment in our lives and your creative ways in many names. Amen. Fulu is an artist and a theologian and a philosopher. He's a person that we've referenced here at the table on a number of occasions. He moved at the young age of four with his family uh, from Vietnam to Houston, Texas. And he teaches now at the intersection of art and philosophy and theology. And I want to open the message this morning with some reflection from Fu that I believe might frame for us our entry into the season of Lent. This is his piece called Returning to Earth, Meditations for the Season of Lent and Easter. Ashes and oil are smeared onto the forehead, and the phrase, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, is spoken. They're a mark, a sign of our mortality. But they also dig deeper into a primordial sense of who we are, creatures connected to the earth. One way to read the Lenten tradition is to see ourselves as sinners in need of salvation. And on that reading, death is the reminder of the punishment for sin. Fu reminds us, though, there is another way to interpret this season. He suggests that we see ourselves as being intimately connected to land and earth as part of a greater whole that we are all made from. The earthen qualities of our bodies does not denigrate us, but should remind us of the preciousness of who we are as embodied beings. We were created to be in harmony with all things, with all of creation. Their molecules and atoms are the same as ours. In the very first creation story in Genesis 1, moving into the first lines of Genesis 2, all living things have ruach, the breath of God or spirit. 
And this is the story in general of creation. It's followed by a more personal, intimate, second creation story. And that story says that the Lord God formed the human, or Adam, from the dust of the ground, Adama, and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, Ruah. And then Adam became a living being. Even though the biblical text is in no way intended, as we imagine today, a scientific text to be written, the writers did seem to long for the hearers to perceive this about the world, that this is the world that God creates in and through and as connection. And the wordplay between Adam, that first human, and Adama, earth, is unmistakable. People are formed from the ground, and we are given life through the animation of divine breath. And that same divine breath moves in and through all created beings. If anything, to see ourselves in any other way would be a sin, a sin against God and others. And yet we live in an era that's tainted by divisions and divisiveness, strife rooted in fear around politics or religion or racial identity or gender identity. These differences, whether real or perceived, have many times over undermined our capacity to see the reality of our connection, connected by dust and breath. And to be marked then by the ashes of Lent, either real or figuratively, means that we enter or are invited to enter into the desert of our humanity. It means to be stripped of all things that make us less than human and encounter what makes us living creatures. This is true of Jesus's story as well. Jesus enters into the drama of human history, not beginning with his own proclamation of being Christ or Messiah, but by calling himself the child of God or son of humanity. And you might hear in that word, son of humanity, Ben Adam, connecting his own story back to the creation story. Jesus identified to be clear with those on the margins, those despised, those sinned against. It was at the periphery that Jesus found his own humanity, as if the core of who we are, who Jesus is, is not about the powerful or rich, but about the broken and the sick. And to be clear, this was not as a way to glorify either sickness or poverty, but as a way to remind us that we see in those most dependent on others, those most in need of care, the widow, the orphan, the sick, the destitute, that at our being, we are all dependent on each other, just as we're dependent on earth and water and the sun and the air. So the invitation this Lent is to return to humanity. Humanity, humanity that comes to us as we tend to the soil of our own creation and to examine the core of who we are 
in relationship to all of creation around us, to land and plants, animals and other, to climate, to earth, to the ground. That we might find that connections are actually all we have, all that is truly real in a world that so often tells us otherwise. And Dr. Liu concludes, we do this so that when we truly arrive at the end of our journeys, we will find that we did not take for granted this precious breath, this beautiful life that we were all given. And we hope to approach as a community the Lenten season this year along the lines that Dr. Liu has suggested for us. We're calling this series Climate Faith. And on our website, you'll find what I find to be a really beautiful devotional to help guide us through these 40 days. You'll also find there links to resources to help us think more creatively and collaboratively and even critically about our role in being humans on this earth. Our devotional resource opens with this. We know the facts. The planet is overheating. The weather is weirding. I love that. The weather is weirding. And extinctions are on the rise. But a doom and gloom approach is not the way forward. On the contrary, this devotional, our Lenten journey, we're going to take a love and act approach. Building on our love of neighbors that we reflect on each week in our kitchen tables, neighbors near and far, and our love of God, which we hold as we gather in those kitchen tables on a weekly basis. God, the maker of heaven and earth, who is nothing if not a God who is creative and guiding toward graceful action, and in whose image we are made from dust. We've often taken an ecological approach or frame to the season of Lent here at the table, but I want to acknowledge that this worship series is going to be a little different than anything we've tried over our last 14 years. Instead of making individual journeys, as we often have alongside one another, toward the power and the mystery and the hope of resurrection on Easter, we're going to try something that's a little more collective than we've ever really tried before. Each week will come with a different invitation and a step. And in the end, our hope is that we'll enter into Holy Week having completed not an individual process, but a communal process, which includes a number of steps at looking at the truth of our own connection. This is the movement that we'll make together. This week, we're inviting one another to team up. And your team might look like the people that you share a living space with. Your team might look like a neighbor or a coworker. Your team might look like your kitchen table. I don't know what your team looks like, but we want you to not be in this alone. And we'll work together with that team as we look and move toward Easter, will the following week take an inward inventory of our own dust. And then we'll look outward at the dust all around us. We're going to try to be honest and look at the obstacles before us. 
We're going to craft our own climate stories. And we're going to set some flexible, time-bound hopes that we could take some steps together. And we're going to move in Palm Sunday with some action verbs. Team up, invest, divest, encourage, advocate, celebrate, and my favorite, try again. Those seven steps can look so linear, but if you know anything about the Christian story and the way we use numbers, seven is actually a completion that starts a new beginning. And that's our story. We have an end that becomes a beginning and a beginning that is like an end. And this process will be living into the depth of our humanity over and over. So as we prepare to team up in these coming days, we first pause this morning with something that I sense is quite countercultural, and that's to pause and to name the sobering truth of our own mortality. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. On the surface, it seems really counterintuitive to hear Linda share Jesus' prophetic sermon from Matthew 6, where he warns against praying in ways that you're seen by others. And he does all this work around do all of this in secret. And I'm not going to pretend to untangle that in a way that's going to leave you with quite clear steps today. But what I want to suggest, actually, is that the mark of the cross in ash is a public proclamation that's about the very opposite of being seen. Instead of seeking recognition or seen as individuals, the mark of the cross in ash, as Fulu reminds us, it signifies our dependence on each other. And just as we're dependent on the earth and the water and the sun and the air, it's a reminder not of us of our own uniqueness, but of our own connectedness through dust and divine breath. Dust and divine breath, to be clear, that is complicit in the brokenness of the world around us, the pollution blanket that we're collectively wrapping around our planet. The ashen cross leaves no place for self-righteousness. And it's my sense that that's what Jesus was trying to unmoor us from, is our own self-righteousness. And so it's a reminder as we place the ash on ourselves that our own clothes, my own clothes, the food that I eat, the energy I use, the leaders that I support, none of us can really say we're not part of the problem. Corporations who build and maintain the energy systems that I take for granted that allow us to be online and in person, the agricultural systems that we depend on, the financial institutions we invest in, the government policies that we support, supporting industries that choose not alternatives but to keep on keeping on. In the end, these humbling words, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return is a reminder of our complicity and simultaneously a reminder that we are God's beloved children made from the same dust and breath of all the rest of creation that God so loves. And that, friends, is also a call to action. 
a reminder that time is precious. So may we use that time wisely, creatively, collaboratively, together, for from ashes we rise. Amen. Ashes are born of sorrow, the lament of our sin, the sadness of a careless life, the grief of things that are burned up. Ashes are born of mortality, the reminder that we have this little time in which to shine our light before our light is out and our time is gone. Ashes are born of humility, of humus, our humanness. The dust of the earth, our common bond with living things who need our love, our source in death, decay, and mystery. Ashes are born of tenderness, for God knows how we are made and remembers that we are dust and how noble are even our poorest of efforts, and God grants us grace. So God of love and justice, maker of heaven and earth, help us to begin. Give us the strength that we need to repent in dust and ash, changing for the better, not only for our own lives, but for our communities, our climate, for your creation. Humble us, embolden us, Remind us of our deepest calling. In Jesus' name, we offer this moment and our lives. Amen. Amen.
And so we pause for a moment of collective silence, holding in our hearts this morning whatever brokenness we might be experiencing trapped within or complicit to hurting from, longing to ignore and turn away from. May this time of collective silence be our prayer of confession. Let us pray. God who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer is making all things new. You are always already forgiven. Let's say amen. I invite you to stand either in body or spirit and to join with us in the call and response, which is the church's practice for recognizing our own connection one to another in dust and in breath. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. And we invite you to turn and to share a symbol of that peace with those just very near to you.
invite us into prayer together with the words Jesus shared long ago. They have been formed and reformed throughout the generations and passed one to another. The church has named them the Lord's Prayer. This is a paraphrase from the Book of Common Prayer in New Zealand. And we encourage you to pray together with me and with Matt. Let us pray. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echoes through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the earth. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. Pour your spirit, God, upon each of us gathered in this moment and over the gifts before us. Make these gifts the body and love of Christ and make us through them Christ's body alive in the world. Amen. I invite you to be seated. All are welcome to the table of God's love. And when we say all, we mean everyone. For those of us who are at home, please bring close to you what you're using for your bread and your juice. For those of us here in the sanctuary, we'll have one station right up front here. Remember that there are always people among us for whom this is something new. There are those of us for whom this is a life practice, not always this early in the morning. But we move together. You can't make a mistake. We watch over one another in God's divine dance of love. Friends, this is the body of Christ and the bread of life broken for you and the cup of God's healing and forgiveness and love poured out for the whole world. Glory to God. 